providing tips and guidance to help you grow your business. You're listening to the Advisor to Advisor podcast, advice for advisors from advisors. Yes, and welcome. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. And we are glad you're joining us on our kickoff to Advisor to Advisor. Our very first podcast. That's right. Well, podcast for advisors. Cor- correct. So a little qu- quick background. The purpose behind this Advisor to Advisor is uh, not that Pat and I have all the answers, but we've been uh, in this industry for roughly uh, 25 years and built a firm from scratch to about $2.5 billion under management. Uh, a great firm, um, I think that's highly respected and whatnot. And uh, with a, a different business model than most, with a different business model, one that I think is repeatable and one that I think adds tremendous value. So and scalable, and that attracts lots and lots of advisors that want to join your firm. So we're kicking off this advisor to advisor education platform for financial advisors to share some of our learnings, how we did things, to discuss our investment management our marketing, our operations, our customer service, our, how our we, technology, how our we view of the world, uh, what we think the client is looking for, what we think the industry is going. Yeah. And our objective is just to, is is to help advisors move along in the path. Frankly, we're also a growing organization, so a secondary objective is to find the right kind of people who want to partner up with us as we move forward, but uh, in the fall of 2017, we partnered with uh, Parthenon Capital, a private equity firm, to help us grow, and we'll share some of that. Uh, how that, uh, what our thinking was around that, um, when we started the transaction, what our thinking was when we were going through it, and what our thinking uh, is now that it has culminated. And as you listen to more of these uh, podcasts, because these will be on a uh, periodic basis, we'll have more podcasts. We will, you'll learn some of our journey. Yes. The good and the bad. Yeah. So. But very emotional time going through the private equity transition. Um, yeah. But I always like to say in business, the question I ask myself after every sort of change in the business is, would I have done it again? And if the answer is yes, then you made the right decision. One of the beautiful things about this industry, Pat, is the fact that advisors can for, mo- for the most part, can create the world that they want. Yes. And you can talk to 20 different advisors, and you'll see 20 different types of practices. Yes, and and as long as those practices are satisfying that individual person's needs. And the clients. And the clients. Needs. Well, normally we're assuming that the client's needs are being satisfied. or they a big assumption. Be in, uh, in that space. might be. That <laughs> might be. We've seen enough. <laughs> um, so, as... There isn't a right way or a wrong way. It's whether you as a owner, principal, partner, in shareholder in the firm are getting out of the business what you expect, want, and desire. Yeah. And if you know us at all or if you get to know us through this education platform, you'll find that uh, we're very ev- everyday people. Um, neither one of us came from uh, <laughs> uh, from a families with money of any sort of means. Yes. We didn't go to big name schools. Uh, none of those things. Kind of scrappy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to California State University at Sacramento, the Harvard of the West Coast. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Harvard. <laughs> and Scott, uh, Chico State Chico graduate. State. Yes. So we're in the Central Valley of California. So anyway. we're going to share a bit on this podcast of our story, just kind of where we came from. This industry, the demand 
is growing exponentially. We've all seen the stats of baby boomers and in retirement. Of course, that's the time when people need us the most in these big transitions in their life, and that's the big one of the big ones. Um, so we're going through this tremendous. There's this tremendous amount of baby boomers entering retirement, and there are not many people entering our business anymore. I mean, the opportunity as a financial advisor is huge because the demand is growing and the supply is actually shrinking. And what we are seeing is that the that the, what they call the wirehouses, the now the big banks that control the industry, have. Are, are shedding advisors at an unbelievable rate, as well as the average age of the advisor in our industry is actually going up. And for those advisors that operate on a fiduciary standard, and really a fiduciary standard, uh, they, they, I think the, the future is so bright for us. Yes. And it's, so it's an opportunity for you to, whether you are kind of newer and saying, well, how do I grow this thing? Or maybe you're a veteran, been in the industry longer than we have, and you're thinking, how do I take this to the next level? Or just... How do I redesign things so I have more margin in my own life? Or how do I how do I exit the business gracefully while my clients are being taken care of and I'm receiving some sort of uh, remuneration for the value that I put into my business over the years? Yeah. So we're going to give you our story uh, during this podcast of how we started and where we think we're going to be going. And we'll hopefully you'll get some tidbits out of it. So um, for, we were fortunate enough that... Um, uh, I don't know if we were fortunate. We our first couple of years were with an, ins- an insurance company that had a financial planning p- focus. Yes, and um, they had great training. It was good training. It was great training. That uh, one of the challenges was that it was designed around product sales. Of course, that was back in 1990 when we first entered the, yep. the industry. So in 1993, in the fall of 1993, we just realized that it was not the right fit. We uh, created our own registered investment advisory firm back then, which was. Um, um, an RA that we created and we chose to continue being securities licensed and we partnered with Securities America, which we were with that broker dealer for about 10 years and we had a good relationship with them over that. But while we were there, we stumbled across that one of our early opportunities, and you know, they say that uh, luck is when hard work and opportunity intersect and uh, we had stumbled across uh, Pacific Bell at the time was going through um, uh, some downsizing and had these retirement offers where they offered people lump sum pensions. And some of you listening might have uh, worked some of them. Some of you today are probably thinking, oh, you know, there's this company in my backyard that we do some work with, which is a great marketing. We'll have a future podcast where we'll talk just on, about- On niche marketing. Yeah, niche marketing and workplace marketing. But uh, so with with Pacific Bell, um, there was a retirement offer and Pat and I decided to, let's have an educational workshop for some of these, called them a seminar back then. We had uh, a number of people show up and we got a handful of clients. Uh, but we noticed that a bunch of other firms in town were, were trying to target these people. Oh, I mean, like every, at, least, every, at least a dozen. Every financial advisor and their mother, essentially. Yeah, there was. There was a, a group with a father, a mother, son team. <laughs> there was. <laughs> yeah, and their mother, literally, yes. Yeah, so. And their mother. Every advisor and their mother. So we, we got a handful of these clients. This retirement offer ended. And we looked at the demographics and said, you know, there's a large number of employees here. The average age is 46. 20 years from now, half these people are going to be retired. Why don't we just get to know these people and get to understand what what are their needs and, and help these people? And what are their pension plans? How do they work? Does it make sense for some people to take a pension? Some people to let, take a lump sum? Sometimes it made sense. Sometimes it didn't make sense, right? This is so but the reality was we could understand the decisions 
they had to make. Now, we're still doing this today. This is still a big piece of our business of really under, getting to understand the nuances of company retirement plans, uh, 401k plans, to understand all the intricacies within there. Because you know, years ago, there was an HR department that can deal with us. We know what it's like today. We have all have clients like this. So what we decided is we're going to really become the experts on their benefits. We, so much so that we would literally, we would have people from HR call us and ask us, I've got this interesting situation. How's this going to work? So it's not rocket science, right? Particularly yeah, well, if you yeah. got a degree in back finance. Yeah. And, and if you could read uh, the summary plan description or the, not even the summary plan description, the plan description, um, which are of public record. Yeah. So it takes work. You can't just show up and fake it. It took work to understand these, these plans. But what we found by, by really getting to understand their needs and meeting them where they were, we soon became experts and we became the go-to people. And it was, you can't retire without talking to Hans McLean. Yeah. We became the, the trusted advisor, if you will, for people that were considering retiring from this company that in the area at the time they had 5,000, 6,000 employees in Sacramento. Uh, Something like Sacramento, that. Yeah. Which is where we're, our main office is located. So with Securities America, we uh, partnered uh, with other advisors at the Securities America broker-dealer. So when we, we, we created a, a separate company, Hanson McLean Retirement Network, we had a lot of Securities America uh, advisors as part of our network. And there was one year of the top 100 advisors, 42 of them were part of the network. Yeah, and at the time, That's the Securities powerful. America had about 1,000 And advisors. remember the premise behind this, it's, Add value. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's been, you know, business 101. Find a need and fill it. So, but one of our- How much money did we on this network, Scott? So I think they the rolled out about $5 billion. In, into IRAs yeah. across- uh, Oh, it's been more than that now. And we That's still been... continue to operate that company today. Yeah. We went and partnered with advisors and said, we are going to help you get clients. We are going to help you- manage those clients. We will, in fact, help you manage your business. And for that, we would like a percentage of that. Okay, so we start the company. Start the company. We're doing a lot of work with AT&T retirees. But we also said, you know what? Um, there's a finite number of people that have worked for the phone company. Even if we got 100% market share, we're only going to get so large, right? So we started doing a radio program uh, relatively early on. We've been on a radio, the largest station in Sacramento, for 20 two years now. It was um, a different space back then. Radio. It was a different space back then. So we did this radio program for years. I think one of the breakthroughs was after about seven or eight years, we were both um, working like crazy. We were. So one of the things when kind of jumping ahead. So when we started the organization and like, if any of you started a firm, you know, what it's like we all started the same. Most of us started the same with no, almost no money. Uh, scrappy. You know, we, we we rented space, sublease space from an accountant's office to get going. Started uh, with uh, one uh, assistant yeah. and sublease space. Uh, but it was, I remember a couple of years in, uh, we're trying to figure out how do we grow this thing? We're going in a bunch of different directions. We did have some key things. One is we wanted to make sure our economics were aligned with the client's best interest. We want to make sure that our economics are aligned with the client's best interest. And that you're... Scott Hansen's economics and my economics were aligned with each other because That's when a great we point. opened the business, we were just going to share overhead 
That's right. And we were going to operate our own individual books of and business, And I tell you what, you so often I see advisory groups where there's several partners, and when you look at it, they're not acting as a partnership. They have those shared expenses. Each one has their own book. Yes. Right? So you bring up a good point because it was when we first started, we it took us about a month to realize that this maybe was a few more months than that. That wasn't good. It wasn't good for our relationship in the long term, and it wasn't going to be good for um, building a real company and the clients because it would always be your client or my client, not the company's client. And so when we said let's just throw everything in the pot, it enabled us to each one of us to focus on those areas that we can provide the most value to the organization even though it was a tiny organization at the time, right? Yeah. But we each have different skill sets that we can bring in together. And I think it's an important thing, Pat, when we said we're not going to operate as individual producers here. And we're not, it is a it's company. term, I think, but. And the next step was that we actually started giving ourselves a paycheck after that. We weren't just taking money as we needed that it. That was a while it. later when we actually had some income to Where make we a started paycheck. paying a paycheck. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, I forget. But we did probably in the first, after a couple of years. We did. Made a, made a salary thing. Now, by the way, um, any idea that we're sharing, we stole them from somebody else. So just about everything we talk about, it's not that uh, we've got these brilliant ideas. We don't. We we just pay attention out there and we look at other We look for opportunities and we say, wow, let's implement that. Because business is not about ideas. It's about implementation of Good ideas, not even necessarily great ideas. And actually, and it's the intersection of many good ideas that actually lead to breakthroughs, not only in science and in medicine, but in business. That's exactly right. So it isn't normally one idea. It's taking multiple ideas and reiterations of those ideas or iterations of those ideas and combining them to grow either either medicine or science. I just read a book called... Um, uh, Seven inventions that changed the world. But well, that's a later podcast. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> I mean, so Pat and I have a neighbor, a guy in our neighborhood who who was is, we call himself a garbage man. He created a a garbage company with started with seven mom and pops that he rolled into one little company, and uh, this is garbage business. He lives in a for a garbage man. He lives in a pretty nice house. <laughs> Houses. Houses. Yes. Uh, the company went public. He's got a $7 billion market cap today. So the point being... In the garbage business. He didn't create the garbage business. No, that's right. He didn't... And he I wasn't think the first anything... one that said, hey, I'm going to go to someone's house and pick up garbage... That's right. ...and bring it to a dump. But he was the first one to say, I'm going to view the world a little bit that's differently. Right. Maybe not even the first there. He just implemented, executed well. Which so, is a lot of business. Which is a lot of business. So early on, we created a, an org chart. We had uh, actually hired a consultant. It was instrumental in the growth of our business, hired a consultant. We hired a lot of consultants over the years. And we just said, come and visit with us. We'll pay you X amount of dollars. We just want you to, to look at our business look and tell at us our what business we can do. And, tell us how, and we were small then. We had like four, three four. or four employees. Yeah. I remember, I remember uh, thinking, why am I paying this guy so much money? It we, probably wasn't a lot to him, but it was a lot well, to Well, we me. had a huge focus when we first started to get to $100 million. Was Our right. goal was $100 million in five years. I think we did it in a couple of years, two and a half years or something. But it was $100 million in five years, and nothing was going to stop us from that. I mean, that was our boom, our, our goal. Uh, but one thing that was helpful with us, we created an organizational chart. We created it. What would this work? Let's pretend like we've got 30 employees. What's this look like? We created an organizational chart. Like, Different departments. Like operations, finance, right? Technology. Marketing. Marketing. Financial planning. The different departments. And uh, created an org chart. 
and we put listed the couple employees that we had in a couple of the boxes, and in the rest of the boxes, our names went there. Now, listen, this is one of, I think this was a big breakthrough moment for us. So our names didn't go in all the boxes. Yours went in operations, and mine went into marketing, but... But they, we had an org chart where our names were in lots of boxes. So we had responsibilities for functional parts of our business. So what now, do we do with that org chart? And one of the names in every box in the org chart, what do you do? Well, as we start getting busy, when you think, I need another person here to help, you would just simply go to that org chart and say, where do I want my name removed from? Right? right. Essentially, that would be. That is that is exactly it. What What am I not really good at? And what don't I like doing? Because when you first start your business, you're the you're janitor. Doing you're doing it all. You're doing the answering ordering. The you're answering the phones. You're doing it all. So as we start growing, when we start getting really busy, it's like, you know, this is this is crazy. We would look at this chart and say, where am I going to get my name off? And this is a great, if you've got a, one or two uh, people on your team, this is a great exercise to go through. It truly is. Because, because it was transformative. It, because it, it might be you, two, three, four people, whoever it is. But in that person, you want to give them responsibility and authority. So we had... Right. Relatively new employees who were doing client service, but we put them in charge of all the ordering for the company. And the reason being, we trust them. Why do I have to order for the company? Why can't they order for the company? So we gave them a responsibility and the authority in that organization chart. And the authority. Please don't ever give anyone responsibility without authority. I didn't say abdicate and I didn't say lack of accountability. I said responsibility with authority. And I tell my kids this all the time. I had this discussion with my 21-year-old about work. I said, never take a job where you have responsibility without the authority to actually make the decisions. Because you'll get it's blamed. Yeah. All right. So uh, we went, did a year with strategic coach. We did. Uh, but very helpful because it enabled us to, we hired a president right off the bat, started getting some free time, create us margin. And frankly, during this margin, Pat and I created a side business that we started in 2003. So this is while we were still running Handsome McLean Advisors, Handsome McLean Retirement Network, which was teaching That's people how to run their business. Part of it. We had a president chart? of that company. Part of this org chart. It's like, can I get my name out of this box? Can I get my name? Can I free up some time? Even to the, all the way to the president. Because if you're sitting there working 60 hours a week, you don't even have time to think. Yeah. You got to work on the business sometimes, not in the business. That's right. And enabled us to, we created a reverse mortgage company from scratch, 2003, four years later, Genworth Financial purchased it from us. We had roughly 200 employees. We did not bring one dime of, of private equity or debt or outside investors. Yes, but we did get a large, relatively large check on the way We out. did get a large check. And frankly, the company is the largest in the nation as of this day. And it was and great 500 fun. 500 employees. It was great fun building that company. And, it, and whether, whatever you think about those um, products. They, they weren't they serve, for our clients. They serve a need. They weren't for our clients. Not the demographic we work with. But the, if you look at, think of all the, you look at all the studies, we see what a lot of retirees are like. This served that segment of the population. Very Which, proud of it. So it, we didn't design the reverse mortgage company to sell to our investment advisory clients. We, it was a completely different population. And the reason we did it is we thought there was a gap in the market. We thought we could do it. And quite frankly, when we opened up the company, our goal was to sell it within five years to a large Fortune 500 company. Yeah. So as we continued to grow, we kind of Did still... you work any longer or harder during that period of time than you no. did previously? No. And why, Scott? Why? 
because we had good people that we trusted and they had authority with the responsibility. Our business didn't change until we changed the way we viewed our relationship to the business. And it I was think conscious. Not only that, Pat, I think when we both were really honest with ourselves and said, what are we good at? What are we great at? And the older I get, I realize it gets smaller and smaller, right? right? (laughs) Which is don't, don't run from that. I think embrace that, right? What are those couple areas that you're really good at can add great value and everything else find others who are great to do those things? Because people are great at certain things. Don't try. If you go out and try to find someone that's got every skill set to to fill six or seven or eight or 10 jobs, it's going to create a problem. So, but at the, the business didn't change. We were working 60 hours a week. And I remember sitting in the conference room saying, I'm not, it's not work. I had four kids at the time. I said, it is not working with me and my, my, my wife and myself. It is not good at home when I'm working 60 hours a week, making a very good living. Yeah. And barely having time to enjoy it. And she's <laughs> saying to me, you make enough money. Why don't you just slow down? But I think one of the key turning points is, Pat, when we really went through this process of where do we add the most value and let's get other people to help in those other areas and let's take some time off to sit and work on the business because we're so busy working in the business. So the business didn't change till we changed our view Great of, book. of our relationship to our business. Uh, e- the E-Myth. The E-Myth Revisited. Uh, Entre- Michael Gerber. Entrepreneur Myth. Hopefully many of you read it. It's a great book. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. And we'll make sure. I don't think the E-Myth is still in print. I think it's the E-Myth Revisited. Whatever. You know. Okay. Something. <laughs> okay. You can find it. But he's got like 27 E-Myths right now on like the E-Myth for the attorney, the E-Myth for the barber, the E-Myth. For- the barber? <laughs> I don't know. He's I don't like- think. You know, I think they're always working for the, on the, in the business if you're a barber. <laughs> yes. Unless, unless you own anyway. Supercuts. Unless you own Supercuts. Yeah, the, 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 the franchisee behind Supercuts. Yeah, pretty sure he's not cutting hair. <laughs> the rake rock of Supercuts. <laughs> and by the way, if you're listening to this thing, well, I don't, that sounds, you know, you get a big business, sounds complicated. I want to tell you. We weren't a big business when we started. But I tell we, we've had more personal freedom. Yes. Through work. I mean, after a while, we've really designed this business to work for, well, for the clients first, but. Um, we're not slaves to this business by any means. Oh, in fact, the less we became slaves to the business, the better the client service, the client experience, and the more money we have made. Yeah. And the more valuable or equity the and company is. Frankly, is the more opportunities our team members have. That is correct. Well. We yes. got about we have roughly seventy people on our team today. To give you manage two point four billion. We don't dollars. know what we're doing. Like we've not, never been there before. You make this stuff up as you go, right? So. You look around to others. I mean, let's just listen to this podcast. You're thinking, maybe I can learn something from these two yo-yos. So, you know, in the last decade or so, we've been, um, I think, hitting a new uh, ceiling of complexity for us. Been a bit of a challenge. And part of it is, you know, our, when, when you look at our industry, for our advisors or fee-based advisors, our revenue is dependent upon the portfolios we manage. Correct. So it's market. Your income is largely or significantly Market dependent. Yeah. So we, we found ourselves in a position where one, we've got how much can we really plow back into growing the organization? Cause we still want to continue to grow because frankly, or how much do you want to? Because if you've been in this business for 25, 30 years, if you're 45 or older, 
and you're living a good lifestyle, you're thinking to yourself, this everything this handsome McLean guy says makes these guys say makes sense, but I don't want to risk my current lifestyle. That's exactly where we were. I don't want to risk my current lifestyle in order to grow. I'm I'm good enough. I'm all right. I thought no money, more money is not going to make my life any better. Correct. So that's why a lot of businesses. <laughs> but less money would it. change things. Correct. <laughs> Frankly. And it's the same discussion most of you have with your clients, which is, you know, you can take more risk if you want. But with that risk, there's a chance of it not working out. And so you, we as business owners went through that, that thought process, that calculation. You as a business owner are probably going through that calculation if you've been in the business for more than 20 years or 15 years and you've been successful. Most certainly if you have more than $25 million under management, you're wondering whether it makes sense to grow the business or yeah. not. So that's part of the reasons we said, let's find a uh, capital partner who can help us, not just with the finance, but let's find a capital partner who can also help us in many of these other areas as we try to grow to really the next level. And frankly, I think more what, than $2.4 billion, Scott, someone's asking themselves under management, someone's asking themselves, what, what do you mean grow to the next level? Why do you want to grow yeah, to I'll the next level? I'll tell you, there's level? a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that every day there is uh, someone who's worked very hard their whole life saved, responsible, honest, good people that are getting sold by someone who calls themselves a financial planner and getting sold garbage products, their money's locked up to for years, that will have a dramatic impact on their life to the detriment. We know that. Right now. We see it. We all do. We see it in our firm on a, I'm not going to say monthly basis, I say weekly basis. Yeah, someone comes that, in. An advisor, one of our advisors shared with me the other day that gentleman and his wife in their 60s owned, drumroll please, 24 different non-traded REITs. That was their portfolio. Yep. We, we owe it to this gentleman to, to stop that behavior. We owed it to him. We should have done a better job of getting him to come to see us earlier. Yes. Are, are we necessarily the, by far the best advisory firm in the, in the world? We very know. well, maybe, but, but, but we know we're really good and we know that we're honest and ethical. Not every client likes us. You're not going to make everyone happy. In fact, if you make everyone happy, you're not trying hard enough. Um, so that's part of the motivation. And frankly, the other part is um, for own personal growth and challenge. And for the people that we work with. I don't want to ever retire, personally. I've seen I don't retire. want you to ever retire either. <laughs> this is a pretty good deal. So, if you keep working and I own part of the firm, <laughs> bam. So part of it is just let's, let's, um, it's, let's grow it. Let's grow. I want to grow personally during this time as well. So we went through this discussion. As and the you economics can, are secondary. Our first podcast is we try to think methodically look at decision making in the organization and we went through this process not just Scott myself but our management team and came up with a realization that it's probably a good idea to bring in private yeah. equity 
And so we'll see where this next season takes us. We're and we're going to share it with you. We're going to grow the organization through both organic, through increased marketing. We're going to grow through some finding other partners. People want to come join us in this uh, journey that we're on. And we hope we're going to help you grow your organization. Maybe not your net worth. Maybe your net worth. Maybe your income. I hope that all takes place. But to get you to actually where the business is serving you and your needs, at the same time serving the client's needs, that's right. And the people that you work with. At the same time serving the client's needs. Because oh, we it, see. Yeah. The client is the only reason you you're see in some business. some advisors kind of retire in place. That's not they good say, for the client. That's not good for the client. Yeah. So, and remember, the only reason you're here is because your clients allow you to be here. So we're excited for this advisor to advisor education platform that Pat and I are, are, are taking part of. In future podcasts, we'll have times where we, we interview, perhaps in our next podcast, we're going to be interviewing our, our marketing director. We'll talk about some of the latest trends in digital marketing, things that we're learning from digital marketing. We'll talk about, uh, well, in the future, we'll talk about our technology platforms, some of the learnings we've had over the years, what's working for us today. We'll have, in future podcasts, we're going to have other uh, industry experts that we'll interview. And we'll talk about human resources. We'll talk about advisor compensation. We'll talk about technology. We'll talk about finance. Let's talk about plant and operations and how your office should look. So we're going to go through the whole gamut. If they want to visit our website, where would they go? Advisor2advisor.com. Perfect. Easy and they're enough. Advisor, the number two, advisor.com. And at that website, you can find out more about us. You'll find out more about our journey. And if you ever think about, hey, I'm thinking about exiting the business sometime in the next year, two, three, five. Give me a call. Yeah, Give us a call. A I'll have a conversation with you. We'll talk about our journey and to see if it makes sense for us to come together and and do this together. Well, thanks for listening to Hanson McLean's Advisor to Advisor. Glad you took the time to be with us. Look forward to being with you next week. And visit our website next. at advisor2advisor.com. The contents of this podcast are exclusively intended for financial professionals. 